This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most, because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D. Today, I'll be covering the case of Regina Bruner Holmes in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Let's get right to it. Mount Airy is often described as the best-kept secret of Philadelphia. It's nestled between Germantown and Chestnut Hill and known for being the perfect mix of urban and suburban. According to PhillyMag.com, Mount Airy is one of Philadelphia's safest, most diverse, and welcoming cities, and has been since its foundation. Residents take pride in accepting people from all walks of life. Regina Bruner Holmes fit right in. In 2015, Regina was an 85-year-old mother and grandmother, but don't let that age fool you. She was still the same feisty spitfire she had always been. Born on June 17, 1930, in the midst of the Great Depression, Regina started her life in the worst economic crisis in the history of the industrialized world, and as a young child, witnessed the horror of the Holocaust and World War II. By the time she was in high school, it was evident that Regina marched to the beat of her own drum and didn't really give a shit about what others thought. Her son Adam recalled to the Philadelphia Inquirer a story Regina had told him about a dance at Overbrook High School when she was 16. Adam said that when a young man from a different race asked her to dance, she said yes, and the pair moved to the dance floor. Sounds like no big deal, but this was 1946. Segregation and deep-seated racist beliefs were rampant. The civil rights movement was still years away. As Regina and the young man danced, all of the other students stopped mid-dance and moved to the edge of the dance floor, staring at the two as they continued having a great time. When Adam asked her if she was worried about what the others thought, Regina's answer was simple. She said, I like this man. I wanted to dance with him. Regina graduated Overbrook High School and went on to the University of Chicago, where she earned her bachelor's. She became an outspoken supporter of the civil rights movement and participated in several marches in the state of Illinois. According to the Chestnut Hill local, Regina furthered her education and received a master's degree in psychology from Goddard University. She had two boys, Eric in 1957 and Adam in 1959. And as she raised her boys, her tenacity for doing the right thing never wavered. 
Her son Eric recalled to the Pennsylvania Enquirer that she placed an importance on healthy eating long before it was the thing to do. He went on to say that a package of tasty cakes was a rare treat shared by his family, and that Regina instilled respect for others and he and his brother, especially respect for young women. Eric said that when they were teens, Regina scolded her sons and their friends for using the word chick when talking about women. She told them, you have to stop using the word chick because it's degrading to young women. According to the Chestnut Hill Local, in 1974, Regina was hired as a nutrition program director at the Northwest Center for Older Adults, which later became known as Center in the Park. She carried her passion for healthy eating with her and wrote a proposal to the Philadelphia Corporation for the Aging for a Nutrition Project for Senior Citizens that was funded and became one of the first PCA meal sites in the city where the elderly and people with disabilities were provided free, healthy meals. She went on to become associate director at Center in the Park and served the senior citizens for 22 years. Those that worked alongside her remember her as passionate, kind, and generous. After more than 20 years of service to her community, Regina was nowhere near ready to stop working. So she got a job at the Chestnut Hill local newspaper as an editorial assistant and typist. It was her employer at the Chestnut Hill that first noticed something was wrong. According to court documents on Monday, June 29, 2015, Regina, who was always punctual, hadn't shown up for work at the paper. Her employer was immediately concerned because this just wasn't like her. So they called her son, Adam, and told him they were worried. Adam and his wife raced over to his mom's house in East Erie, but Regina didn't answer the door, and he couldn't make his way inside, so he called police. Officers arrived moments later at 12.03 p.m. and gained entry into the house, and what they found was devastating. 85-year-old Regina Bruner Holmes had been brutally murdered. She was found lying on her bedroom floor with multiple lacerations and strangulation marks around her neck. It was obvious the attack had been brutal. There was a large amount of blood on the bed and bedroom wall, and Regina had suffered numerous injuries. There was no sign of forced entry, so investigators believed Regina likely knew her killer and had let them in. But who would want to kill Regina? She was kind and generous and well-liked in her community. And why? Investigators didn't know who, not just yet, but they did believe they knew why. In the bedroom where Regina's body was found, officers had also found several purses emptied out onto the bed and the floor. Her silver 2007 Toyota Corolla was also missing. Regina had been robbed and the motive would lead them to a suspect pretty quickly. As investigators began monitoring Regina's bank accounts, the medical examiner performed an autopsy. The autopsy revealed that Regina had been murdered in the early morning hours of June 28, 2015. She died from a combination of multiple stab wounds, strangulation, and blunt force trauma to the head. The day after Regina's body had been found, 6ABC Philadelphia reported that there was a break in the case. 
officers on routine patrol found Regina's stolen car in the 3100 block of North Stillman Street in North Philadelphia. Homicide Captain James Clark spoke with the outlet and gave a brief update on the case. He stated, After a 24-hour period and talking with the detectives, it does appear that the motive was robbery. He went on to speak about the brutality of Regina's murder. He said, It was very brutal. I mean, you have an 85-year-old female that can't defend herself. She's beaten and she's stabbed multiple times, and ultimately, her throat was slit. Captain Clark told the outlet that the car had been seized and would be processed for evidence. A $20,000 reward was offered for anyone with information to come forward. Later that evening, family, friends, and the community came together and held a candlelight vigil in Regina's honor. They were all in disbelief something so brutal had happened to someone who always put others first. One man who knew Regina through her outreach and community organizations named Eugene spoke to the outlet and stated, Who would think they would come out and do something to a woman that was not selfish in her living, believed that she could help and tried to help everybody, for something like this to happen to her? Surveillance video was obtained from cameras around the scene where the car had been recovered. The video was grainy, but according to court documents, it showed the car being driven onto North Stillman Street at 3.01 a.m. on Sunday, June 28th, and leaving the street at 3.22 a.m. Moments later, the car was captured entering the parking lot of the Wells Fargo Bank on nearby Broad Street, where someone had used Regina's ATM card three times to withdraw money. Cameras at the ATM also captured the suspect using Regina's card, although the individual's face was obstructed and not clearly visible. One thing was clear. The suspect captured on surveillance wasn't Regina and was in fact a male. As Philadelphia police detectives investigated further, they found that one of Regina's credit cards was used to make a $1,600 online purchase at Toys R Us. Yes, Toys R Us. They tracked down the IP address and discovered the purchase had been made from a home on North Stillman Street in very close proximity to where Regina's car had been dumped. It was the home of a woman named Michelle Hoskins. Police tracked Michelle down and the story she told was jaw-dropping. Michelle Hoskins told investigators that her ex-boyfriend, who sometimes lived at her North Stillman home with her, which that's a whole nother story for a whole nother show. Anyhow, her ex-boyfriend was 37-year-old Leroy Wilson, and on the morning of the murder, he arrived at her house sometime after 3 a.m. Michelle was woken up to Wilson pounding on the door. According to Michelle, when she let him in, the first words out of his mouth were, I just caught a body. She told detectives she didn't think he was serious, so she let him in. Wilson then handed her a laptop and dropped a credit card on the bed, telling her she could get whatever she wanted. Michelle said she knew the credit card and laptop were stolen, as the name Regina was written on the bottom of the laptop. But that didn't seem to bother Michelle. She went on that $1,600 online shopping spree at Toys R Us, purchasing gift cards, diapers, a swing, and other items. 
Wilson crashed at her place for some time, and at one point they were watching TV when a report about Regina's murder was broadcast. Michelle asked him about it, I mean, the laptop and credit card currently in her house had the name Regina, never mind the fact that Leroy had told her he killed someone when he showed up. Well, when Michelle asked what the hell was going on, Leroy Wilson responded, I didn't fucking know her, and I don't want you asking me shit about her. His response freaked her the hell out, so she left and went to her mom's house. Michelle told the investigators that she knew Wilson was a thief, and he had told her he took items from people's homes where he worked. She was shown the video surveillance of the unknown man ditching the car and using the ATM, and she identified the individual as Leroy Wilson by his walk, the way he wore his pants, and because he was wearing the same sweatshirt he had been wearing the day before the murder. Michelle was arrested on theft-related charges, which she eventually pled guilty to. It took police less than a week to track Leroy Wilson down to nearby Norristown, Pennsylvania, and on July 4, 2015, U.S. Marshals, along with Norristown Police, arrested Wilson on murder charges at his current girlfriend's home in the 300 block of Brown Street. But how did Leroy Wilson know Regina Bruner Holmes? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Police revealed that Wilson was a handyman who had worked for Regina and several of her neighbors. He was well known in the neighborhood as Leroy the Handyman. They went on to say that Regina may have caught Wilson stealing from her, which led to a physical altercation. All this according to Fox 29 Philadelphia. Homicide detectives interrogated Wilson for nearly five hours, during which he gave conflicting statements, at times saying he wanted to take full responsibility for the part he played in Regina's death and that he felt, quote, apologetic about the whole thing. At other times during the interview, he denied attacking and killing Regina and said that two men he only knew as K&W must have killed her. But investigators, nor the prosecutor, bought his alphabet soup defense. Assistant DA Richard Sachs spoke to the Philadelphia Daily News and stated, We don't have any indication that anyone other than Mr. Wilson was in that house. Further stating, Wilson wanted money so he could get a place with his girlfriend. It's unclear whether the DA meant the former one or the ex. DA Sachs also spoke about Regina, saying that she had put up a fight and had defensive wounds. He said, she was feisty, she was strong. Leroy Wilson pled not guilty to capital murder, robbery, burglary, and weapons charges, and everyone prepared for trial. The death penalty was on the table for multiple reasons, like the violent nature of the crime, 
the fact that the murder was committed during the commission of another felony, and Leroy Wilson's criminal record. Let's talk about that record for a minute. Leroy Wilson's prior convictions dated all the way back to his youth. He had served time in a Florida prison for a 1996 conviction on a host of charges, including aggravated battery with a deadly weapon and drug sales. Wilson had been arrested more than 20 times in the states of Florida and Pennsylvania. I'm not going to list all his prior arrests because we don't have the time, but here are just a few of the highlights. Aggravated battery with a deadly weapon, robbery with a weapon, the manufacture, possession, and sale of all kinds of drugs to include GHB, meth, cocaine, heroin, opiates, multiple assault and battery charges, and the list goes on. Nonetheless, on July 6, 2016, the Chestnut Hill local reported that the state would not be seeking the death penalty in Regina's case. Assistant DA Sachs said the capital charges were dropped because of a significant mental health history, together with the victim's family input. Regina Bruner Holmes' family showed mercy at a time when everyone would have understood if they didn't. Leroy Wilson's trial began in early May of 2017. The prosecution presented its case. Witnesses testified that Wilson had worked as a handyman to multiple residents in Regina's neighborhood, including Regina herself. Neighbors told the jury that on June 27th, otherwise known as the day before Regina's murder, Wilson was working in the neighborhood gardening and moving furniture when he approached a neighbor named Darlene and asked about a car that she had listed for sale. Wilson told her he'd give her $1,500 cash and work off the other $1,000 doing odd jobs for her to make up the $2,500 the car was worth. She agreed and Wilson told her he'd pay her the following week after he had collected payment from Regina and other neighbors. This, of course, placed Wilson around the scene in the hours before the murder. Chief Medical Examiner Sam Galino walked the jurors through crime scene and autopsy photos, detailing the horrific injuries Regina had suffered, testifying that Regina had died from a combination of multiple stab wounds, strangulation, and blunt force trauma to her head. Going on to say there was no way to determine exactly which injury caused her death, but that, quote, she was alive for all these forms of injury. Regina was 85 years old, yet she fought to stay alive while being beaten, stabbed, and strangled by a 37-year-old man, and I use that term very loosely. Let's let that sink in for a moment. Investigators testified about recovering Regina's car a block away from ex-girlfriend Michelle's house and the video surveillance captured showing a man who was identified as Wilson by both his ex and current girlfriend using Regina's card at the ATM. And also that cell phone records placed Leroy Wilson near the scene of the crime at the time the murder was committed. Michelle Hoskins got on the stand and told the same story we've been over, the one about Wilson showing up stating, I caught a body, and the Toys R Us online shopping spree. The defense? 
they admitted that Leroy Wilson had stolen from Regina. That part he'd take ownership of. But the murder? He didn't do that. Someone else was responsible for that one. Could have been K, could have been W, could have been Michelle. Hell, they didn't know who it was, but it definitely wasn't Leroy Wilson. But the jury didn't buy it. It took them all of an hour to find Wilson guilty on all charges. His sentencing would be handed down immediately after the verdict. But first, Wilson was given the opportunity to speak. His attorney's butt cheeks must have been clenched tighter than a gnat's ass when Leroy Wilson took this opportunity to proclaim his innocence and vow to appeal. He stated to the judge, I forgive those who have misjudged me. As you can imagine, Judge Glenn Bronson didn't find this the least bit amusing and sentenced Wilson to the mandatory life term for first-degree murder and added on a consecutive 22 to 45 years for the robbery, burglary, and weapons convictions. As he handed down his ruling, Judge Bronson addressed the now-convicted killer directly, stating, You killed the victim in the most awful way anyone could imagine. In May of 2017, Leroy Wilson did file an appeal, but, spoiler alert, his conviction and sentence were upheld. Wilson is currently serving his time at the Hootsdale State Correctional Institution in Clearfield County, Pennsylvania. He is known as inmate MY1043 and forever will be. Regina Bruner Holmes is remembered as smart, bold, assertive, spunky, caring, and kind. At 85 years old, she was still out there living her best life, doing what she had always done, serving her community. She stood for justice and equality and always did what she felt was right, even if she was standing alone. Regina's legacy lives on through the countless lives she touched and the huge impact she made in the lives of those who knew and loved her. I think her son Eric summed it up best when he spoke at her service and recalled what his mom had often told him. If I die, do not feel sorry because I have lived a full life. May we all aspire to live a life as full as Regina's. As always, you can find more information on this case or any of the others I've covered on my Instagram at least underscore of these or my Facebook at least of these podcast. New episodes drop every Thursday. I'll be bringing you an all new case next week and I can't wait. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already so you don't miss it. You can finally get all your episodes ad-free just the way you like them for just $2 a month, and as a member of Patreon, you'll be the first to be notified when new tiers will be launched with exclusive episodes and a few bonus surprises. Head on over to patreon.com slash these to support the show today. I'll also post a link in the show notes. Huge shout out to everyone who has made their way over to Patreon already. It really means the world to me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other.